Hey, everyone, need something to get you going in the morning or the afternoon? Check out TrenchCoffeeCo.com. Trench Coffee originated in Las Vegas and is owned by a combat controller and his wife. Uh, they've been making coffee as a hobby for a couple of years and then decided they enjoyed it so much and they wanted to share the coffee wealth with everyone else. So check them out. They've got 10 different brews. They originally started with the Trench Blend. Um, but they recently started a new blend that uh, is kind of my personal favorite, which is the Brazil Cerrado. I'm probably saying that wrong again, like I do in every single promo, um, but whatever. I'm educated in South Carolina, so you can deal with it. Uh, they also sell you know, apparel. They sell cold brew kits. They've got holiday packages going on where you can get a mug and some coffee. Uh, their normal bag sizes are 12 ounces. They do have some samplers. So if you wanted to get a handful of sampler packs, you could do that. And if you want to go all in, they definitely have five pound bags that'll keep you stocked for quite some time. Um, but if you go through coffee like I do, because it's so good, five pounds probably won't last you too long. But please go check them out. Uh, they are definitely friends of the podcast and have been for quite some time. And uh, so we want to support them and they're supporting us. Uh, so we don't get anything from it, but please go check them out. Enter the promo code ones ready to get you a discount. And then I know that sometimes they also, every time you buy a, a bag of coffee and use our promo code, they will send a bag down range or at least put some money to the side to pay for sending bags down range. So great company, great people. Jeff and Jerrica are amazing. So go support them. Check them out. Trench Coffee Co. That's trenchcoffeeco.com. Right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the What's Ready podcast. You're back in the training room. Yes, I am still in the spare bedroom. I haven't gotten my studio set up yet. So that's how much of a loser I am. Um, Aaron's, I, I can't tell. I think you're in the same spot, but I know you're also moving. Uh, so this is the only thing that's left. This flag is no kidding. The only thing that's left in this room. So new studio coming up quick by studio. I mean the other bedroom. So that's tight. <laughs> big move, big move coming up, you know, just <laughs> big you're save, saving that for, uh, just for this recording. As soon as the recording stops, comes down. That was it. That was it. No longer. You said you wanted to record yesterday. I was like, not today flag. Today's not your day to move. <laughs> Well, it's a nine. and Trent, you're uh, you're still in the same spot. So glad I just to moved see around you. the house. This is like my fourth studio inside the same house. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so no guests today, which is great because it's not often that would, the three of us get a chance to sit around and just kind of chit chat about stuff and kind of pour out what's going on in our mind. And I know that we don't necessarily have uh, an exact agenda today. We have an idea of some of the things that we wanted to talk about, but um, I, and since I'm the one talking right now, what do you guys think about, like, so I, <coughs> I'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely cut that out. Okay. I don't want to perpetuate. He's got COVID because um, it's, <laughs> it's fake news. It's a fake pandemic. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, great. Now we're done. Great. 
Yeah. All right. I uh, I figured out what we can title this episode. The gang did, gets demonetized on YouTube. Yeah. It's fucking fake news, fake pandemic, pandemic. Anyway, so I was actually talking to some of the Special Warfare Trading Wing uh, folks yesterday, and they said that, at least in the recruiting world, they have kind of seen it an, in, an increase. And a lot of the people that are kind of, it's not that they're not, well, I guess technically they're not committed, but they're comfortable waiting on the sidelines because they're just kind of like, I want to go in. No, I don't. Okay. I think I want to go in. No, I don't. You know, they're just, they're not fully coming off the sideline and getting into the game, which I guess is, is frustrating for me. But at the same time, like I have a difficult time kind of relating that because I have never been that kind of person that, um, with, with anything where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to go in. It's either hell no, I'm not doing it or yeah, I'm in, let's do it. You know? So have you guys ever had to deal with that kind of thing? Trent, I'll let you go first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I got yeah. there first. Go ahead, Trent. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, but I, I think uh, we're talking about kids in like the debt program, right? That aren't really willing to commit. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I mean, we, we've been talking about this kind of stuff a lot. And I think one of the problems is, is they have the luxury of comfort, right? They, that they don't have to do anything with their lives. They're not being forced to like join college or get kicked out of the house. They're not, you know, a, we, we did like a parents episode, you know, talking to parents and advice. And I, and I think one of the reasons, one of the ways that you build that just like jumping into things is you reach a point in your life. At least I reached a point in my life where I didn't have any choices. So it's like, I went to the recruiter. It's not like I was like, well, I have time on my hands. I'm like, bro, I need a job. I need to get in the air force. I need to do something with my life because there's nothing but dumpster fires behind me. So (laughs) that that, that desperation is missing. I love that you leave a trail of dumpster fires in your wake. I just picture you walking away, several dumpsters (laughs) burning behind you. I, I think it's a, a product kind of of everything that we've got going on too. If you look at it, it makes total sense, right? So you have all the information in the world. You've got your head exactly. You can go onto the ones ready page and you can see exactly how long it's going to take you to talk to a recruiter. And then I want to know exactly how long ANS is. Okay. I want to know exactly how long dive school is. When does my family get to move out? So you, you have all of these things and it almost helps you sit on the sideline where for us, that information just wasn't there. It was like, well, I gotta, I gotta be all in. I gotta jump two feet into this thing because I have, I'm going into the unknown. I think in today's environment, it's actually a little easier to sit, you know, peaches like you were saying, or Trent like you were saying on on the sidelines, because you can. It's comfortable to sit on the sidelines. It's completely okay. When I turned eighteen, it was not okay to live at home with your mom anymore. You know, when I turned eighteen, I left the house. I think I lived with my mom and dad for like six months, and it was the six months right before I got into the air force because I too left a trail of dumpster fires behind me and had no options. But you know, that's what, that's what we did. It's completely acceptable now for, you know, 25 year olds to live at home with mom and dad and just kind of chill out and have that ability where if you don't go into the air force today, that's fine. You just go home and you, you go about your normal life. You know what I mean? So I think it's actually part of the, you know, and even look at the pandemic and how that normalized everybody kind of going back home and, you know, rent prices are too high and the housing market sucks, blah, 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 blah. All these other things that are going on in the culture make it easy for you to kind of just sit on the sidelines and wait too. So I think there's a good bit of that going on. It's just kind of the environment that we, we are in, but it's definitely a, 
it's definitely a different culture and it's definitely a, a, a different thing that's going on. Cause like you said, for us, it was like, Nope, that was it. You know, when I went into my recruiter, I thought, no kidding, I'm leaving like next week. So I thought when I went in to talk to that recruiter the first time, I was like, well, better have my affairs in order because, you know, if he says you're going today, then I'm going to come home and I'm going to pack this bag and I'm going to leave. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the other variables that you mentioned are, are certainly part of it. I mean, it's just it's too expensive now um, for most for most 18 year olds to move out, even with a roommate like it's it can still be tough especially now. I mean, I just like, we're, we're getting new airmen in like whenever we get new airmen in at two, two or, or like we're getting them in at Nellis now. I mean, if, if they're already married and they're, you know, not in the dorms, like they're trying to figure out where they're going to be able to live um, just because it, it's insane prices out there right now. And the, the basic housing allowance can't keep up with, the, the rates right now. So if anybody's asked, sitting here wondering like, well, don't they give you an allowance? Yeah, they do, but it doesn't increase at the same rate as what rent and mortgage prices are going at right now. I mean, it's just, it or can't, inflation. It, yeah, or inflation. It, it just can't keep up. So, um, you're going to be fine if you are a brand new, you know, brand new airman, you're not married or you are, you know, purposely, unaccompanied or, or separated from your, your spouse, you'll go in the dorm, you'll be fine. You don't have to pay for it. So you've got some breathing room there, but like it's, it's tough when we get brand new airmen or maybe they're not brand new, but they're, you know, a couple of, you know, one or two assignments in and they're out of the dorms yet. They're moving to a place that's super expensive, like Las Vegas or the Pacific Northwest. So it's a, it's a real struggle. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I when I was talking to the the wing about it, it was just um, it was just something that I hadn't hadn't thought of, hadn't experienced. I know that we've talked to people that you know they've they've been in development for three months now. They're getting their their scores. Their scores are where they need to be, and then you know de their developer and their special operations recruiter is telling them, "All right, here's going to be your ship date," and they go, "Ooh, well." I'd like to push it another three months to, to really make sure that I'm ready to go. Well, there, there could be some validity to that, right? Because you don't want to be three months in and you're just meeting the minimums. Like we, you've heard, everybody's heard us say like, don't, don't go in where you're meeting the min minimums, be able to beat the minimums uh, a little ways. At the same time, if you're already at that point and then you're asking to, to, you keep asking for extensions, if you will, like, dude, you need to shit or get off the pot, like for real. Well, and there's a thing about, yeah, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, no, sorry. I interrupt and, and I'm sorry. Uh, th there's a thing about these, these, some of these people think that they're the most important thing in the world. You know, that, that mentality, like if you've been going to a developer and you've been seeing a recruiter and you've been using their time and their resources and all these other things, how you don't have a sense of, of debt, in your mind, like I need to, I need to do something for these people. I need to pay them back in some way. If they've been putting all this time into me, I don't know how that doesn't push you down the road. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, well, like I'm not feeling super comfortable right now. Like who cares? Your comfort comes secondary to the time and the resources that you've used of these other people, these grown people with experience that you've used up. So like, it, it's not, never ending. It's not that they, they don't have to help you as, as well as they're helping you. Like all those developers out there, 
are, are putting in more than they have to, you know, and that and they're trying to make you successful. And for you to think that your comfort is more important than the time that they put into you, I think is incorrect. Yeah, yeah there's a certain amount of service. Go, I'm sorry, yeah. Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's it's across the board too. There's not a single developer. There's not a single recruiter out there that's doing less. Like people, my my favorite DMs to get are, well, this recruiter isn't calling me back fast enough, or hasn't emailed me, or hasn't returned any of my phone calls, and we're always like, okay, well, you know, how long's it been? And they're like, oh, it's been a week. Come on, my dude. Are you are you kidding me right now? You you shot him an email on Monday and it's Friday afternoon and you're you're mad that this guy hasn't gotten back to you. Like, okay. Like every once in a while it'll be a valid thing, but every single recruiter, every single developer out there is going above and beyond. And they're going above and beyond for sometimes hundreds of people in their debt program. Because it's not just they don't just manage just aft spec war. Like those recruiters have a, another job for the Air Force that they have to do. They have to have to go out there and recruit. So hearing that people are, you know, just upset where they're not getting the personalized attention that they need, it's just, it's something that we don't understand because immediately we default to, well, hey, the, the person in charge said you're ready to go. So that means you're ready to go. It's time to go now. We would never dream of looking at the person in charge and going, well, I know you said it's time to go, but like, I don't really think that's right. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to kind of like chill like that. We don't, we don't have that, that piece inside of, of our being, you know what I mean? So um, you just have to remember that every single recruiter out there is going above and beyond to get you to the requirement, right? There's there's baseline, there's the requirement, and then there's expectations. And I know last night on the, on the group chat, Trent was like, we should do requirements versus expectations for kids. <laughs> and I was like, that's dumb. We shouldn't do it. But now that it sounds good this morning, I think we should do it. We should talk about requirements and expectations huh Trent what, yeah, do, what yeah. do you think I, w- I mean you just kind of jumped into it I, w- I wasn't ready for it and then you know I'm still my feelings <laughs> are still hurt about when you told me it was dumb it was a stupid <laughs> idea and I stick by that text mm-hmm. that I sent <laughs> but it's yeah, popping I'm, now so how, what, what do you think well I think there's there's a confusion about the the what are requirements and what are expectations and how those two things work together right and we, we talk about it all the time that, and it came to my mind because we get pithy comments sometimes. And I do like to read the comments. I'm not uh, famous enough to not read comments. Um, and they say stuff like, well, you guys say exceeding the standard is the standard. So doesn't that make that the standard? And what we're, I get what you're saying. And some of them are trolling, but what we're really saying is there are requirements. And then there are expectations for the community and just barely meeting the requirements. You're still falling short of the expectations of the community. You know what I mean? Like going, going through, we talk about it all the time and I, I try not to man crush on, on air force JTACs because they're better, but just being a JTAC versus being the JTACs that I've deployed with from the air force are two completely different things because of the expectations of where they come from. Right. You know, being a, a, a baseline PJ versus being a really good PJ. Like they're, they're so different. So like, I just want to talk about those things and how they kind of, how to set up, the expectations of the community in your head as the requirement, as opposed to always searching out the baseline that you have to do to get somewhere. Does that make any sense at all? Or am I still dumb? Aaron, am I, how dumb am I? Well, you're, I mean, you're still dumb, but you said a smart thing just there. I, I agree with you and students have this, you know, and I always say, when I say students, you know, people that we talk to 18 to 35 year olds that are trying to get in the air force, but I, I apply it to students inside the pipeline as well. Cause it's frustrating. 
they always want this black and white answer, right? So immediately we're like, well, exceeding the standard is the standard. That is that is an unofficial like Air Force special operations motto. Like that's on the walls at many units that exceeding the standard is the standard. So then we have people that want these black and white answers that go, well, isn't that the standard then? Yes, that's exactly what we mean it to do because it's it should be this unattainable thing. You should constantly be resetting another bar for the expectation. You want to meet people's expectations and that never goes away. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're day one on the on the team room or, or if you're, you know, year 20 inside the team room, that expectation to exceed the standard is always there. And I'll put it to you like this, like we're getting ready to jump next week, right? The expectation um, and the requirement are completely different, right? Like from, we have some people that are jumping their very first time at the unit, their very first time out of, out of free fall school, their very first time out of free fall jump master school. We have all that happening next week, right? The requirement is that you do the bare minimum. The requirement is you show up on time with something to write with the right equipment. You're there for jock ups. You're, you're there, you're hustling through your day. That's, that's just a requirement. The expectation is you're helping your buddy out. You're cleaning up after yourself that you're reviewing the night before, whether you're a day one jumper or a day 20 year jump master. The expectation is that you're going above and beyond. You know what I mean? Like, Nothing, nothing, this is an ism for me, but nothing makes me more mad than sitting in a brief and having the briefer go, okay, look at slide one. Oh, yeah, the slides must not have updated. So this is just, this is wrong. But like, man, that's the baseline requirement is that you give a brief. The expectation is, is that every slide is perfect. It's the most updated guidance that we have. You talk like you can present the information like professional. Everything is standardized. You have a good plan up on the board. That's the difference between requirements and expectations. We're not saying wait until you're the till you're this superhuman person. We're saying meet the requirements and then find a way to exceed what the the requirements intent is to show me that you care about this event. That's what we mean when we say requirements and expectations. I think it's the the part the very, the very end that you said there. Show me that you care about it because. Yeah, there there are things that we have to do, even in the special operations community, that are queepy. It's not fun. It's it's just like ugh, more admin and by work the way, I got to do. It's not cool to care in today's environment. It's much cool to be like cynical, and all you ever do is bitch, moan, and complain, and all you ever do is. Oh, I can't wait to make a meme about this. I'm not going to say anything to anybody, but I'm going to make a <laughs> passive aggressive meme and send it in the group chat. Get out of here, dude. Like, I don't, I just don't care. Like, I know it's not always fun. You should, you should care. Not you, but people should care. Yeah, I should we're, care. We're going right. to, we're going to make caring cool again. Um, I guess. I don't know how we're going to do that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> we're not. We're, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not. Yeah. But anyway, you should, you should care and take pride in everything that you're doing. Um, like I, I've been that guy that the slides did not update or I didn't get around to do it or I made a mistake. Like I've been that dude, especially after 23 years of, of brief and like been there, done that. And even now, if I forget to update something or something's wrong in the slide, like, man, that's my bad. Or I have a misspelling in an email or I just use some awful grammar. Like I, like my brain's moving faster than my fingers, which happens all the time. Even now, like I still go back and I'm like, what an idiot, you know? Um, 
because because I care because whatever I send out or whatever I produce represents me, you know, and I want to put my best foot forward. And I I I haven't gotten completely through uh, the episode, Trent, that that you just recorded with uh, Lieutenant Greiser or not Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel Kreiser, um, the op site. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's still early. I'm messing up messing up names and rank. See, I care. uh hence correcting it but anyway uh she had you guys were kind of talking about why she likes to work with our community and stuff like that and and it it kind of went along the lines of uh i don't think she actually used the words because you guys care but 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 it's because you guys are always trying to uh be the best that you possibly possibly can be you want to be the best and that's She's not the only one I've heard that from. There was a strength coach at the 23rd, Tyler, who said the same thing to me because he he used to work for um, Oregon's football team. Like he was their strength coach. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, dude, you're at a, a college level freaking football program that, you know, is extremely popular. And you decide to leave that to come work for a bunch of dudes that in the gym that are just knuckle draggers. And, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I, I can see where you're going with it, but you, you don't understand. Like I had to, in, in that gym with that football team, I had to force them to train and work out. Like they were relying on their God given talent to, to be able to like, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll make it up on the football field with adrenaline or my, just my overall skills. Right. I'll just be an athlete. Um, he goes, but you guys, you come in here every single day, whether you're hurt, injured, going on a trip in a couple hours, or you just came back from six month deployment, uh, you know, a couple guys shot, you know, working through that kind of stuff. He goes, and I have to force you guys to throttle back and take your time and ease into certain things because you guys will come in here and you want to crush yourselves every single day. And you, you just want to keep getting better and be the best. And I don't know if that is a, a, uh, something that we breed into our folks or like, is that a, is that a trained, um, mentality or is that just people have that mentality automatically as they're coming in? I don't know. It's not a question or maybe it is a question. I don't know. I'm just rambling. All I heard that we're just a bunch of. <laughs> we're just a bunch of what we're just a bunch of what <laughs> T- talentless dudes that's all i heard talentless dudes talent versus skill right like uh the great will smith video right well this is this is one of the stories actually that i i use to tell people when they say that oh this new generation is soft this you know these people they're you know they're too comfortable they're too entitled it's these darn kids right um so when I was teaching combatives at the schoolhouse, Greg Jackson, that's how I met and became friends with Greg Jackson because Greg would come in. He's the honorary commander for the PJ Crow schoolhouse in Albuquerque, but he would come in and he would teach combatives and I was a lead combatives instructor. So naturally that's where, you know, he and I, um, you know, got to be friends and Greg is always a happy guy. He's like the world's, you know, nicest individual, um, just as a person. But one day we're kind of getting ready to start. And he said the exact same thing. He was like, God, I'd love coming in here and working out. Cause I looked at him and I was like, coach, you don't, you don't need to come in here one or sometimes two days a week to teach these classes. I, I could totally teach these classes. And if you just want to come in and kind of make an appearance or whatever. And he was like, you know what, Aaron, I love, love teaching these guys. 
he's like, I have a, he is something like 135 fighters that he coaches or has living around the Albuquerque area between the different fight promotions and stuff. And he's like, he said the exact same thing. Some of my younger fighters, like I have to, I have to get them into the ring. I have to get them training. I have to like coach them through these hard events. He was like, if I walked in here right now and I looked at this group of men and I was like, tear this building down, they would already have some of the walls off before I told them what else I needed. He's like, you don't see that everywhere. But those were students. Those were people in the pipeline that were, you know, and at that time we were PCSing everybody to Kirtland right away. So that was people that had really, they'd been in the Air Force for basic military training. They got through in-dock, they got through dive, and they were at Kirtland. So when people talk about the new generation or whatever, I don't know, man, it looks pretty good looking from the outside in because that thing that you were talking about, Peaches, is still there. That that willingness to to go harder in the paint, to even though you are injured, showing up to the gym and being like, all right, I, my back hurts, but there's got to be, you know, can I do legs? Can I, can I lift ankles and calves today? Or, you know, whatever, whatever that may be that thing. And, and I don't know if, I don't know if we find it in the assessment selection process. I'd like to think we do, you know, I, I'd like to think that when we're going through these development programs and people are going through the the development program, we look for that thing. And then we, we kind of like tease it out in the pipeline and nurture it. Um, so that you have that, that ability, you know, inside of your person. But I think a good part of it is, is it's just there. Like people that gravitate towards these career fields, they want to exceed the requirement. They want to go be the person that is constantly out front and constantly winning. And that's a good thing. We've talked about competition a million times. Competition is a good thing. Competition should not be avoided. It should be injected into everything that you do. Every single thing that you do should feel like a competition. If I if I lose in Wordle, on like if somebody gets the Wordle in three and I got it in four, I'm pissed. I'm pissed for 24 hours. And it's not because I'm good at Wordle. I think I'm actually getting worse because I'm an idiot. But it's still a competition. I still want to win. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you see somebody that got it in two and you're like, God, am I such get a out of here. I got one in two last week. I got one in two last week and I thought I was the smartest person on the face of the earth. Go figure, me being a narcissist. <laughs> well, I, I think there's something that happens though through the process, right? Is that the people on the front end that are um, hesitant to jump in the deep end, I think that they're still in ego protection mode, right? They're trying to protect yep. their ego from from failure and all those other things. Where the students that you were seeing, they've been broken down and they're no longer protecting their ego; they're testing it, and they've gotten a little taste of that that growth and that build mindset as opposed to just trying to protect all this stuff. And like, yeah, it hurts the first time that you, you know, crack yourself open, you're, you're exposed to all those things and you realize what you are and what you are not. Um, but once you start, once you get that open and you start building and growing and like you're around all these other people that are doing the same thing and you realize that you are a capable person, as long as you just put your mind to it, you know, it becomes an addiction. You, you want that competitive spirit and everything else going like that, but you have to get over that hurdle where you have to get past that protecting your ego, like whatever you've built yourself up to be inside that you probably know is not a hundred percent true. Like you gotta, you just gotta show up, get smacked in the face and get real honest with yourself and then move forward. And I'm, I promise you, once you get over that wall, that's where we see the, the, you know, the magic happen. Pete yeah. just thinks I'm retarded. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just stewing on that for, for a few minutes. <laughs> Just, you know, I love it. go for it. You look like you're going well, to say something here. 
I always look like I'm yes. going to say something because <laughs> I'm always just trying to talk. There's, I don't know what it is, but like, so Peaches runs like the program that we use, Peaches runs it, and there's a there's a delay, but it's only for Peaches. So all of us are constantly looking at his screen, and we're like, "Is he going to say something?" Nope. And then you start talking, and somebody else is talking. Don't worry. Leave it in the comments, guys. Talk about how we interrupt each other because we really take those to heart. Or leave some really, really specific uh, audio inputs, like a, a 300, 400 character, maybe just anyway. Uh, so the funny thing is that you see that, that managing the ego, like the e your ego is your, is your enemy. Like whether it's you're, you're waiting, you know, in the depth program and, and you, you don't know if you're ready. So you're waiting, you're doing that thing. Trent, that was awesome to say that, you know, you're protecting that ego because you're totally right. You can see it with operators. You, you know, we have, you know, there'll be a call. We're like, Hey, we're going to get together and, and roll on Tuesday morning. You would think people have asked me like, Oh, how many of you guys in, in your unit roll? Is it, it's gotta be a ton. I'm like, no, nah, it's really only like four or five of us because you know what that is. Even, even sometimes the, the operators in the career field, it is really easy to go about your normal strength and conditioning workout. It's really simple to do that. You throw on some, some heavy music, you walk around, you get a sick pump with your bros, you get a shower and you go to work. That's easy. You know, it's hard looking stupid because you don't know how to do something like nobody looks good the first time that they're on a, a jujitsu mat, right? Like you don't know what to do with your body. You're going the wrong way. You're constantly doing the wrong thing, man. That is embarrassing. That, that'll humble you real quick when some 17 year old, you know, purple belt just absolutely twists you up and you're supposed to be this big, strong man. And you're, you can't even make it through a round because you don't have that fight conditioning. That's that ego, you know, but you'll, you'll never be a black belt. If you don't step on those mats, if you don't, if you're not willing to look stupid, you're never going to be an operator. If you cannot just like put fear aside be like this, this might, this might not work out. We just got to go. We got to, we got to go try it. I've got a 90% plan. I know what I'm doing. I got to go. I'm meeting the requirement. I want to go try this thing out. Right. And it is a lot of ego protection. It is a lot of, you know, your own insecurities that are running around in your head that no one else sees, by the way, but you think they're the biggest thing in the world. You know, you're, you're running, you're like, God, everybody must think I'm the worst runner. I assure you, nobody is thinking about your running at all. Nobody, as long as your time is ready to go, nobody is thinking about you. Yeah, we, we have the same thing with the, uh, the JTACs. Really, uh, you'll, you'll see it. it. And it's not just JTAX. You get the controllers that are working air traffic control for the first time, or maybe not even the first time. Maybe they are somewhat seasoned, yet uh, they've been off the mic for a while, or, you know, they're around somebody, one of their supervisors, or maybe there's a some kind of PJ, CCTSR legend that's there that, you know, is well known for being magic on the mic kind of thing. And they will either try to avoid getting on the mic because they're like, I don't want to do this in front of all my bros or in front of this person that I look up to in case I look stupid or I make a mistake or, you know, and, and we get the same thing with a lot of the, the controllers and tactics that they're considering going to weapon school, but they end up not doing it because I mean, you get called out for everything. Like it, the, coming to, to this school is actually one of the things that, helped me become okay with, with getting called out on stuff because they will go into every single little detail of what you said, where you've got your kit, what you, how you planned with the aircraft and everything like that. And they're going to tear it apart. Um, so it teaches you a certain amount of vulnerability 
which is humiliating at times, but it helps keep you humble, helps get you better. And, and then in the long run, you are a much better JTAC controller, PJ, SR and person because you're able to know your limitations, uh, recognize them, build from them and, and so on. And so it's, it's not just the folks, um, that are coming in that are feeling that kind of trepidation. It's, it's guys that are already established as well. So it's, it's not new. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, when I, when I think about stuff like this I, and, and we, I always think about like Bruce Lee, right? Like be like water, you know, like that, that the ultimate goal is to, to be able to absorb things and to move with things and not to be the stiff, you know, and I, and I think we lose that sometimes because you, you get a, a certain skill set halfway through your career and you start to get recognized for that skill set. And so you like, you kind of stiffen that all up and you hold on to it. Like, this is me. This is my thing. And you make the same mistakes over and over and over again, just like people before they even join. And you, it's like, it's a constant struggle, just like anything else. So you constantly got to prove yourself. You constantly have to like assess where you're at and who you are and, and move out there again. Like I, I was out there with uh, the recruits uh, this past week. Right. And you think that I was like, before I go talk to high school kids, you know, and high school kids are notoriously hard crowds. You know what I mean? They're, they're a bunch <laughs> of little a-holes. Um, <clears throat> Did they like, hurt you? Yeah. It hurts Who me. hurt you, Trent? Why are you? you but give you know, me like, a name. I'm coming down to Texas. Nobody you, talks as, to my Trent in this way. No, it's, it's me though. The, the problem is me. Like the, the, it's, <laughs> I, I show up and I'm like in my head before I start doing anything, I'm like, why would these kids even listen to me? Like, who am I? You know, like I'm trying to protect myself being like, should I even talk to them? Like, should I do this? Blah, blah, blah. And it, and it comes down to like, I just don't want some high school kid to look at me and be like, this dude's an idiot. And I'm like, but that doesn't matter because if there's one kid that takes anything that I say and ends up like, you know, taking the next step in their life that leads to whatever them being happy or, or, or successful, then it's all worth it. I just have to get over myself. Like that's the problem is getting over me. Uh, like those kids that are, before you even join, like you want that personalized attention, like the, the the person that you need the most attention from is from you. You need to deal with you first before you start worrying about getting personalized attention from anybody else. So try not to get all philosophical, but it's what I do. Go. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you did it, buddy. Well, and you bring up a good thing, too. And and hey, everybody, I've got a you know, everybody that's like 18 and kind of unsure uh, about your life. I've got some good news for you. You're only going to worry about these things at probably a way more magnified and way more intense version for the rest of your life. That wasn't very positive, but it's the truth. But Trent, you bring up a good point. Like I go into, I am terrified of failing in front of people that that imposter syndrome, right? Where you're finally going to do something and people are going to be like, you know what? You are terrible. Oh, you're the worst at this. I can't believe that we ever gave you any sort of, you know, respect or, or whatever. Like, I, I imagine the people that are waiting in that debt program and just, you know, constantly kind of like freezing in the door, right? To use a CQC term is that they're just frozen and that they have to make a decision. You got to get out of this fatal funnel. Like, you can't stay here. You got to either go left or go right, but you got to get out of here. Um, you know, and I think a certain part of that follows you your entire career, just like you were saying. Like, before I stand up, like, if you think that I don't sit and practice, you know, speeches or you know, presentations or briefs, like you're crazy. Like I try to, to come up with a way to present the information as fast as possible and don't over talk things. And you know, that those, 
those things inside of your head, you're going to be working through your entire life. Right. But just like you said, like you have to, you have to jump in that arena. You have to expose yourself to that stress. How do we get better? Like all exercise is stress that we increase, right? Linear progression. We give more and more and more stress and you can handle more. So you have to put yourself in those situations where you try and you go in fully knowing you might fail. You might make an absolute fool out of yourself. But the more you expose yourself to that, the stronger you're going to be. And then you can take on bigger and bigger challenges. And pretty soon, you know, you can, if you think about building that resiliency, because that's really what we're talking about, right? This is being able to take on those high doses of stress and uncertainty and, you know, getting your own ego out of the way in order to, to serve the mission and, and do what you need to, to get the job done. You, you have to train it. It's, it's a muscle like anything else. And the only way that you can manage that ego and that you can get away is you have to, you have to work on managing yourself and putting yourself in those situations. So, you know, meet the requirement. Great. The expectation then is on you to, to fully fulfill. It's on you now to actually like go forth and, and conquer because newsflash, everybody, there are completely average air force operators out there. There are people that are completely happy to do the status quo you see them in the gym just enough to where you're, you know, you don't, you don't say anything to them. They're not out of shape. Uh, you know, you see them at work, they're there on time, but they're just average. Like those people exist. Um, don't be one of those people, you know, re- resist, resist the status quo. Yeah. It's easy to get comfortable. You know, what's so funny about that though, is that even those average operators are still really, really good. <laughs> still really good. They're still the world's best human. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, we, uh, but, but yeah, I, you're, you're right there. They, they get comfortable. I think I've told this story a couple of times about comparing yourself, but when we were in, we went to Philly for our clinicals and, uh, Toa, Mr. Uh, I won't say his full name, but Michael, I call him Michael. Everybody else calls him Toa. He was on our team and we used to make fun of him for being just, he was, he's a Samoan dude, like a Hawaiian Samoan dude uh, by nature. So he's never like really defined, like even at our best shape, you know, he just, we look at Michael like, why, why are you just shapes, dude? Like, why are you just like a collection of like weird, you know, circles and stuff? But it was, it was funny because we would make fun of him for being like not in shape or never having a six pack. We went to a CrossFit gym to do a workout. Uh, my friend, Chris, my friend, Michael and I, and Chris and I are being our normal aggressive selves and we're trying to beat each other. And, and we, we smoked everybody in, in the class or at the gym. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're basically berating Michael he came in third, but he still beat everybody at the gym. You know what I mean? Like you forget, but when you compare who we get to hang out with on a daily basis, like the fact that I get to walk into a building where people have volunteered multiple times, right? They, they volunteered to go into the air force. Then they volunteered to go to selection. Then they volunteered to go all the way through the pipeline and go on that first deployment and do something that was inherently dangerous that they, it might kill them. Like you don't get to work with people like that anywhere else. Like the fact that I get to just surround myself and the CMS people, the same thing. Those people know that they're going to take on 40 additional duties. They're working for people with big egos and, you know, it's a, it's a very high stress environment. And our CMS people get it too. If you screw a brief up as a CMS person, you are also going to hear it. Like it's not just on the operator side. It's, you know, these, these hands rated E for everybody. Uh, in <laughs> essence, every, everybody can get it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm an equal opportunity person equal opportunity but hater that is I, w- I was trying to think of the best word to call myself a mean name um but we forget you know you forget that you surround yourself with with literally the nation's best less than one percent of the nation can do 
what it is that we do. And you get to surround yourself with those people every day. So it's fun to, to compare, uh, you know, yourself to normal humanity every once in a while. You're like, wow, we just have a better breed of human on this side of the fence. But you could do that before coming in. You, you know, you surround yourself with people that are going to make you better. Uh, like I always remember, I never, I recognize it. I never knew what it was, you know, whenever we play soccer and I was happen to be on a, not a, not so great team. Right. But we would scrimmage, you know, for practice, another team that was so much better than us. And you could see across our team, everybody got better. Everybody up their game better than they thought that they could. Um, because we had to, it was, it was competition and, and we started recognizing, then you start surrounding yourself with people that make you better instead of people that you were better than. It kind of goes to that whole thing. It's like, Hey, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, same kind of thing. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to drive you and push you in a direction that you need to go, not, not hold you where you're at or bring you down. It'd be pretty hard to bring pages down further. Already down far enough, baby. Hey, you. He's got a really <laughs> low center of gravity. It'd be really hard to get him to try to take him down. He's, he's really squirrely. It's like a well, like, like a fire hydrant. <laughs> it's like choke a fire hydrant. Well, it's like CZ says. You know what I mean? Like he put it pretty succinctly. You can't fly with the eagles if you hang out with turkeys. You know, if you hang out with five idiots, you're going to be the sixth. If you look at your friend group. And you, you look around and, you, and people aren't pushing you. If you're not looking at somebody and being like, man, I want to be, you know, I, the, the officer that I work with, he and I work out, work out in the morning. We are in the gym, usually right at 6 a.m. Because we have a whole busy day of just fires all day long. So we work out together in the morning. That dude is way stronger than me. If you think that every single day that I don't work out with him, I'm like, I got to catch him on something. I'm never going to. He's essentially Captain America. but He is. Um, he, he really is. Major, major America. Yeah. Major, he's, that's a good, yeah, major America. Everything, I don't want to gush too hard about my favorite officer right now, but <laughs> mm, guy's a dreamboat. You know he what is. I mean? He's, just, he's all tall and strong and good at his job and smart and nice. And I don't know, I hate him. The worst. I hate he really is. He's the worst. He's an, he's an awesome human being. Love that guy. He really is. Um, but, but if you're not out there, if you're not, if, you, if I'm not trying to catch that guy, what am I doing? If I'm not surrounding my, myself with people that are better or smarter, you know, in, we joked about the group chat earlier, but that group chat between the three of us, somebody will put something in there and we're like, God, that was a good idea. Damn it. I hate you. I need to be better at this. I need to, mm-hmm. I need to be better and figure this out. Like as iron sharpens iron, we should sharpen ourselves. And that's, you surround yourself with people that should be making you better. And if you're not, go find different people. Well, well and then also understand that everybody has different uh, strengths and interests, right? And I was thinking about this the other day is like this officer is stronger than you, right? And better looking and taller. Better looking. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Makes more money. Taller, better hair. <laughs> lots more money. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, but like you have experience and all these other things. I'm, I, what I'm talking about though is, is, is interests. When you find something, I'm always on the lookout for something in my job, in my daily life that I could be good at something that interests me that piques my interest and i think i have a responsibility to pursue those things because i already want to do it and i i should be as good as i can at certain things and if it interests me i should be the expert at that thing or as good as i can be right anything that i have a uh, that i'm drawn to or that i i have a knack for 
Um, so like everybody on the team doesn't have to be like the, the deadlift champion or the free fall champion or whatever we're, we're talking about. But you have to if you find something that you're pretty good at and you're just like, nah, man, I'm just going to be a, a normal you know team guy just like everybody else. And I'm not going to put myself out there for that. Then you're absolutely incorrect. If you're at a development program and you're good at something and you, you just don't want to show off or you don't want to show excellence in something and you don't want to help other people out and, and show them the way in whatever particular skill set you're working at you're hundred percent wrong for not pursuing anything that you have a, a an interest in. Um, and I think that's how you kind of build the team because the three of us don't have the the same interests or, or, or talents or skills or whatever. Uh, but I think as a, as a unit, right? Like that it works for some reason it's, it's chaos. Um, but you know, you find those teams and the, they work and the, the, the individuals on the team and we talk about all the time are very, very different, but when they find something that they're good at, they, they're like bulldogs. They take complete ownership of it and they're not worried about, um, uh, failing at it. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they go for it and they, they keep everything else up to the level that they need to. But anyway, I'm just, there's a responsibility that comes along with, with talent and capability, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know where to go from that because I don't have anything like philosophical to add to that. Really. I'm sitting here thinking more like, <laughs> yeah, man, I got nothing. I, I, I'm with you. I agree. <laughs> well, I think it, it was a good thing that you said at the end is you have a responsibility to fully explore that gift. You know what I mean? Like you, my, my brothers and I always joke, like, what if I'm the world's best ballerina? I've just never tried it. Yeah. If you gravitate towards something like, but, and it sounds like a stupid thing, but like for everybody that's at depth right now, what, what if you're the next silver star guy? Yep. What if you're the next, what if you're the first female that's going to make it through a pipeline? What if you're the, what if you're the first person from your family that's going to do this? Like that can be scary. Like having those things and having that, you know, putting that extra weight on yourself. Like I get it. Like there are days that I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll be walking into a building or something in a uniform. I'll be like, holy shit, I'm a PJ man. That comes with, that comes with a lot of baggage you know, being, you know, telling everybody in your hometown, I distinctly remember I was like bouncing and washing dishes and like working at factories and stuff for like the last six months that I was, you know, in Ohio before I left. But I remembered, you know, just being afraid to tell people that I was even going into the air force, you know, after I had, you know, entered into the debt program, my time in the debt program was really, really short. Like there was no development. It was just like, yeah, wait, wait a couple of months, man, you'll be good. And we'll send you out. And I was like, all right, cool. But, you know, even telling people like, hey, I'm going to go. They're like, oh, well, what are you going to do in the Air Force? And I would tell them about pararescue and they would laugh at me. They would be like, you, you think uh, you think you're just going to jump right into that? huh? You think you're going to do it? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. You know what I mean? And and if you look at especially my story, I mean, I went in and then I failed. You know what I mean? Then those people were right. Those people were right. I, I got to relive those moments where, you know, people are like, oh, you're not going to make it. And, you know, you should probably look at something else and you don't have the discipline to do it. You're not big enough or strong enough or whatever. I got to think about those things for like four years before I got my shot to go back at Indoc. So it's, it's scary and it sucks, but you got to do it. Because yeah. you, you, I felt like I, I owed it. I felt like I had a responsibility. I was like, I think there's something in me that I can give to this process. I think that there is something inside of whoever it is, like whatever this thing is, this soul, this person that I am, I think that I can do this thing you owe it almost to the universe or to whoever granted you that gift. You owe it to go see if, if it works. Cause you could, you could be the, you could be the best. You could be the absolute champion of everything that you did. You can be a special operator or whatever it is, but you, you got to go, you got to start. Yeah. And you said something at the beginning with the, uh, you represent, right. And that is something that I think that, 
like you do, you represent so much in terms of when you're out there, say, say you're a controller, SRP, JTAC, whatever you are, right? Um, you're not only wearing the uniform, but you're also wearing a beret, which makes you stand out, right? Right off the bat, whether you're in your hometown or, you know, you're on base or you're, you know, out getting lunch somewhere near base, something like that. Like you're representing that career field with that beret on your head, right? So you, you not saying you got to look the part, but you're representing that career field, right? Then take, take the beret away. You're wearing a uniform. So then you're representing the Air Force, the DOD at large, you know, all the services, not just one, but definitely the Air Force. But, you know, you get put under a kind of a blanket of, hey, this is that's just military people. Right. So you're representing them. So you got to make sure that you do that correctly. Then you're representing your town, if you will. You know, you then your family and, and you can work it out. like you're all of that. You are representing all of those things. So why not? put the best foot forward. Why not showcase? So number one, right off the bat, before somebody even talks to you, you got to look the part, right? You can't be a, a uniformed member and spilling out of your uniform. Don't be fat. Oh well, man. Trent, Trent's little ears perked right up. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Are we talking about fat people? <laughs> oh man. Trent, Trent is the world's number one extremist when it comes to fat shaming. There is nobody that Trent says you should have to wear your BMI on your sleeve in like a little <laughs> emblem. Like anybody over 30, Trent's talking to you. Trent's hollering at you. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a short little fat guy uh, standing next to, standing next to Trent. The very first time I, very first time I, I, I ran into Trent in uniform. Like, okay, you're a lot taller than I expected. Oh, <laughs> you are. You. <laughs> like, okay. And I'm this short, short, fat dude uh, standing right next to you at the pool, at the chaperone pool, just going like, oh, boy, this is demoralizing. <laughs> I love this conversation because it started off being like, you represent your hometown and you, you got to look the part when you're in And I'm and not now doing it. And now, now we're gone. And now we're just completely <laughs> down on our I was going somewhere it. really good with it, but <laughs> he just took his blouse off of the pool and started showing his guns off. It was, it was. Fine. I did do the, that. I did do that. The, the I think I did come up to Trent and go, "Hey, brother." <laughs> hey, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> That's where I just leave my, I just leave my top on. I'm like, I'm not playing this game. I got no pipe fingers, <laughs> but. You guys get what I'm saying. Like you represent, like we, we all hate it. We, we have seen somebody, whether it's, you know, an operator or whether it's somebody in the air force or the DOD and they don't fit in their uniform or they're just like, they're just put together. And it, it, it sounds stupid because it's, it's dumb to for us in our community. It is dumb. We, we feel like it is dumb to care about how your uniforms put together. Like I don't care about dressing dress in appearance, like, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you're out there, right. And you're at the mall or wherever it is, whoever, if, wherever the kids go these days, you know, mall? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, Listen, I say, I, I, I say that I get blamed the most for talking to the young kids. I'm positive. They don't go to the mall. <laughs> I'm sure they don't. I don't even think malls exist anymore, but I'm going back from where, like I, I ran into a ranger 
at, at the mall when I was in high school, you know, and he was, he was put together and it goes like, Oh, okay. Well, that's what a ranger is. You know I mean? That's, that's what was imprinted in my mind because there wasn't YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but that's what was imprinted in my mind of what rangers are. He represented rangers very well, which the three of us are probably not surprised that a ranger represented themselves very well because rangers like that's what they do. They always do. Shout out to the Rangers, man. You can never find those guys slipping up on dress and appearance. Mustache? Nah, not in the bat, dog. Better shave that face and show up to work. Be there on time. Those guys yep. are strapped all the time. Trent has can something I, to say so bad. I, say, I know. I can see so it. Bad. The, you got me going. It, it, we we live in a, a, a culture, and I've seen this throughout my time, where the, the idea that the way that you look doesn't matter right like it just seems like a pervasive thing like oh you can't judge people by the way they look and i think that's nonsense we've gone way too far down this rabbit hole um the way that you look your first impression is absolutely 100 percent important the way that you carry yourself the way that you dress yourself and i'm not saying you have to have you know name brand or whatever anything but you you have to look a certain way to feel a certain way like you look at these ufc fighters what do they always say like or not all of them but like lots of them as soon as they get some money what do they start showing up at the press conferences in like nice suits and they're like, you know, feel good, look good, perform good, whatever. Um, but when I first um, got in the community, I remember being at AST and all the controllers, all the controllers I was with, they had the, the shiny boots, the jungle boots that they were issued, right? Their BDUs looked amazing in garrison. And yeah, out there in the field, you know, we're not going to cut our hair or, or do all that other stuff. But when you're around other people representing, it's not about you. And I think that's what we're talking about. The whole thing is like getting over yourself and, and meeting those expectations, it's you're you're representing so much more. And there's not going to be a, there wasn't going to be a combat controller out there in BDUs that was going to be that guy that's like, man, these guys are are boxes of donuts. This is garbage. Like they all looked ridiculous. And, and guess what happened to me when I got around those guys? Like I'm a, a natural kind of cynical guy when it comes to you know the way that you look or 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 conforming to to standards. It's not really my thing. But I get around those guys, I'm like, bro, I better up my game. I'm going to spend more time shining my boots and less time sleeping. I'm going to make sure that I'm representing my career field and also my teammates the best way that I possibly can, because I owe it to them because I'm, I'm part of this, this group or this community or my family or whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, don't, don't look at yourself as, as more important than the, the standards or representing like you need to do it for, for yourself and for other people. Rant and over. Yeah, and if you don't think that we're not going to hear about it, not not like us, but your community, like you will hear somebody say, oh, yeah, I was at whatever location, and I saw this one dude. He must have been a controller because he had the Scarlet Beret on, and, and the dude was just, you know, X, Y, Z, whether it was he was looking bad or maybe he was acting like an asshole at the Starbucks line or like whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like you hear about it. you. So, and, and it's not just us, it's, you know, the SEALs hear about their own SEALs, Green Berets hear about their own Green Berets, like, and so on. So, like, we always hear about it. It always comes back. You may not, we may not know exactly who it is. Of course, our career, or the three of our career fields are so small that usually you can kind of put it together. Okay, what was the location? What did he look like? Oh, no, I know exactly who you're talking about, you know? That was love. Yeah, that was uh, screaming unsat at the Starbucks coffee line. Unsat. Give me the cut. This is unsat. No PJs are going to come to this Starbucks 
uh, we're all going to Dutch Bros from now on. Unsat. <laughs> Blacklisted we're a Starbucks Dutch Bros family. We're a Dutch Bros family community uh, from now on. That's it. We're all going to Dutch Bros. That's it. I, I do want to put this. This opened the door perfectly, and and this is why for everybody in the debt program. So there's always the 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 worry, right? That people are appropriating culture. When I see a teenager and his avatar on Instagram is like the rescue angel and his, you know, screen name is like, want to be a PJ number one. Um, and you know, you're an 18 year old and you're telling everybody that you're going to be a pararescue man and, you know, getting in those conversations, guys get mad at you. Like on this side of the fence, I'm going to, this is a cautionary tale. And, and I'm going to tell you why it is. We get upset with stuff like that because just like peaches said, just like you heard Trent said, we take such pride. Like when I put that beret on, I make sure that my beret looks appropriate. You know why? Because I might be the only PJ that that person has ever met. Ever. And now I'm speaking for the entire career field, just like Peaches is saying. I'm speaking for all PJs now. I'm speaking for all ST now. I'm speaking for everybody in the Air Force. I'm speaking for everybody from Ohio. I might be the only person that I ever represent. And you, and I'm talking directly to you, people in the debt program or people with, you know, using all of our all of our imagery and saying that you're going to be a PJ or that you're a, a former or, or future combat controller. Like when you say those things, we know what that means. Like I automatically, when I was talking about putting that beret on and I might be the only PJ, I was thinking of, you know, my friends that no longer are living. You know what I mean? Like when I put that on, what if the only other PJ they ever met was Ben White or Peter Cranes or some of these guys that we've lost, you know, that I've lost through my career. And that I think about all the time, you guys, you debt program people, you don't have that. You don't have that feeling that we do where like we need to protect these images. And I don't, we don't fly that flag all willy nilly. Like when, when I have a shirt on that says I'm a pararescuement or something, then even out in public, like I'm acting right. Like I'm not, I'm not going out there and, and putting, you know, bad juju on the name of pararescue or the air force or, or whatever else. Um, and that's the reason why when we see people like in the debt program or people online, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a PJ, you know, PJ, year of 28 because i'm going to graduate you know 24 um that's why that's where those feelings come from where we're like hey you don't understand really what that means yet um and we do because we we all feel it you know i could be the only god forbid i was the only pj that you ever met in your life but i take that stuff really really seriously because i understand how bad it can be because like just like you said pj that story i don't know how many times i've heard that exact thing Oh yeah, I met a uh, I met one of those dudes once. I don't know. There was like four of them, six foot tall, all tatted up. They were cursing a lot. All of them got drunk, and then one of them slapped me. Like, well, you probably deserved it. But those those stories of you know one run in that people have, they think the entire career feels like that. And then sometimes, and you hate to see it, but sometimes you make that impression on like a senior leader. Like when a senior leader comes into a unit and is like, "I get a bad vibe from here." That's never good. <laughs> oh, no, it's not good. <laughs> Never good. Oh, That's boy. usually when I look at Chief and I'm just like, this is your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I just go back to my office. I'm like, sorry. How to get back to work. Time well, to get back to the office. Yeah. Well, and on that note, uh, thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, hit that bell. Leave us a review. Uh, we haven't had a review in a little while, so... Um, tell us how great or terrible we're doing you know pick on 
pick on the fact that you never see my hair and there's a reason why you never see my hair. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got the three wispy, wispy hairs that are going across. Um, but, and then also check out the merch store, you know, it's back up and running finally after a long, yeah. long stint of being away. So, uh, again, appreciate all the support you guys are giving us and, uh, we'll see you next time. Light up. Yeah. Light up. Train hard. <laughs>